When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, this football season might already feel very long for Michigan State fans, but the reality is we're only about halfway to four teams being announced as part of the college football playoff. In East Lansing, the goal right now is to make any bowl game. Will a week off bring new hope for Spartan Nation, or will the pain continue? We will discuss that and some general takeaways from MSU Basketball Media Day on episode 123 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Hope everyone enjoyed the week off from, well, (laughs) let's be honest, a largely unpleasant Michigan State football season. I know I enjoyed it. I was uh, at one of my best friend's weddings. I was in it, actually. So it was just kind of nice to, like, step away, forget about all the drama for a bit, and and just kind of, like, live up the fall. But, uh, Matt, how did you spend the, the bye week? Uh, kind of a annual tradition now is, uh, get a place up North somewhere for, for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Went to Frankfurt weather sucked for the most part, but had some (laughs) absolutely, uh, delicious food at every, uh, every turn. So, uh, no complaints. So you did the same thing I did. (laughs) You just got away up North. (laughs) I, I was sitting by a fireplace, uh, indoor fireplace with, uh, Oh, geez. What was the, was it uh, Ohio State, Maryland on the TV? And I had my laptop out watching uh, Florida State and remind me. I don't Wait, was it Wake there. Forest? Is that who they played? Uh, uh, whatever. Either way, I, I, I was actually able to watch football for uh, Saturday as opposed to covering it. Did you go to Stormcloud Brewing? I love that place. Oh, hell yeah. That They're uh, they're. The cheese bread they have there, I've been there a number of times. It's really good, and, and I one of their sandwiches is really good. Yeah, I have. Right, since we're plugging places, there's also a place called like Birch and Maple, which is uh, right on Main Street there. Had an incredible brunch. Got a Bloody Mary that came with a piece of fried chicken in it. Oh, yeah. And uh, then I got the chicken and waffles, which were amazing. Not really my usual breakfast or brunch go-to, but so, yeah, um, those are my recommendations. Uh, Virginia Tech. That's who they played, by the way. Yeah, Florida okay. State. Were you in a cabin in the woods too, Kyle? No, I spent my bye week looking at pictures that Matt sent from the food he was eating. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, bye week, especially for for these guys, you know, covering the covering the team. And Matt, I should say, thinking about this stuff every second, and especially this year, it's just been chaos with the Mel Tucker stuff. So I'm sure a much needed break to kind of recharge the batteries and as we said, we're only about halfway through here. Uh, I think we're going to kind of focus on more big picture stuff when it comes to the football team. Um, you know, we'll get we'll get into this Rutgers game, I guess, here off the jump. You know, uh, but you know, through that lens, we'll talk some big picture stuff. But you know, Michigan State heading to Rutgers this weekend, uh, where you know the Scarlet Knights are a four and a half point favorite. That's just straight up embarrassing if you're a Michigan State fan. I mean, this is the team that's struggled to win three games in the Big Ten Conference uh, basically since they've joined and you're an underdog. So uh, the Spartans, you know, they've handled Rutgers just like every other team in the Big Ten. They lead the series 10-4. to They've won the last two. Rutgers comes into the game uh, with a record of 4-2. and They have wins over Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner. 
They lost to Michigan and Wisconsin. So they've kind of, I guess what you would say, Matt, is Rutgers has kind of won the games you'd expect them to win. You know, Virginia Tech, maybe a little bit surprising. And they've lost the games you expected them to lose. I don't know where where the Rutgers falls on this one. If I guess they're expected to win because they're the favorite. But uh, this is usually a game where we chalk up a win for Michigan State. But that's obviously not going to be the case this year. No, and, and I, you know, I... <laughs> You know, being an underdog against Rutgers, that hasn't happened in the time that uh, Odd Shark data base goes back to 96. So Michigan State has been the favorite in every matchup until this one, although there were three in the late 80s, early 90s that um, their their database doesn't go back to. Long story short, yeah, obviously this is a game Michigan State typically wins. They won, what, like eight of nine or, or whatever it is. Um <laughs> But, I mean, there's obvious reasons why they are the underdog going on the road. Uh, and any big picture, if you're – I mean, this was always viewed as a season before everything went off, you know, off the rails that it was going to be, you know, a challenge for Michigan State to make a bowl game given how difficult their schedule is. Um, as Kyle astutely pointed out uh, yesterday, uh, check out Iowa's schedule the rest of the way. If you want to have some fun – <laughs> holy crap my gosh um yeah anyways uh so i you know that that means you got to get to six wins and there are seven games left and there are three top six teams on the schedule so that leaves four games that you you that seem potentially winnable i, I just don't see them beating michigan ohio state or penn state and in, in most likely even being competitive in those matchups, but who knows? So that leaves Rutgers, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Indiana. And you basically got to win those four if you want to play in a bowl game. But obviously it appears um, a stretch at this point in time, given what we've seen. But, uh, you know, that kind of sets the table for for where they're at right now going forward. Um, this, I mean, let's be honest, they should have won at Iowa. I mean, that's they they were the better team. They just can't get out of their own in their own way nine turnovers in the last two games and you lose both by double digits you're you're finishing with more first downs total yards offense time of possession you know the key some of the key categories um and then you you still you know you're coming up on the wrong end because of turnovers and penalties so noah kim has, has obviously struggled these last three games he just can't, you can't turn over the ball like he has, you know, it's six turnovers and, and one touchdown pass against power five competition this season. I believe in the last, in those three games, he's been on the field for 35 offensive possessions and they have one touchdown to show for that. That's just not good enough, obviously. So uh asked Harlan on Monday about the, you know, the direction they're going at quarterback and unlike Previous times, he said, you know, Noah's our guy or whatever. Uh, he, he said, basically, they have a plan. They know what they're going to do, and they and they feel good about it. But he wasn't going to name a starter publicly because he wanted to keep that under wraps. That would sure <laughs> seem like they're making a change. Uh, but um, so it, it, you would guess, you know, Caden Hauser is probably going to be the – is expected to be the starter on Saturday at Rutgers, be his first career start. Uh, on the road for, for a redshirt freshman and what's supposed to be a very rainy day at the birthplace. Um, so that's in, in Rutgers, you know, they got a, they got a good defense. So, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, I know big 10, everybody likes to pile on Rutgers um, for obvious reasons. And, you know, but you know, they, you know, Greg Shano is, is he's a good coach. You know, they, they have defensively been, been pretty solid this season. Um, so, yeah, big challenge. Um, but 
if they can, if Michigan State can build on what they've done positively uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which we've seen really, you know, the last um, two games, you, you know, Washington just steamrolled them. But as, as Scotty Hazleton said, hey, give them credit too. They got a good ass quarterback, which is, which is obvious. Um, you know, they're, you know, Washington's got a phenomenal offense and, you know, but you know, the defense or the turnover sunk them against Maryland. The defense was put in really poor positions. You go down 21 to nothing, and then the defense kept them in that game. And then Iowa, you know, same deal. Good performance defensively. You know, granted, Iowa was – they lost Cade McNamara in the first quarter, and, you know, you're playing against a backup quarterback on an offense that is a, a national punchline. Uh, but still, good things defensively, some missed opportunities, uh, chances for interceptions that, that could have been the difference. And then offensively, you know, aside from Nathan Carter, you know, being good and showing progress in the run game, Noah Kim is just making backbreaking, just, you know, mistakes, critical interceptions, the one in the end zone, you know, they, they had the opportunity. They should have been, they should have had a two touchdown lead going into halftime in that game, probably. And instead that, you know, you, you need a 58 yard field goal, I believe from, from Jonathan Kim, which is another, another bright spot, but they just, they just, you know, Defensively, they've they've played well enough the last two weeks. Uh, offensively, you know, it's just the turnovers are are keep getting in the way, and and you know, critical penalties, same old thing. I mean, assuming they're making a change at quarterback here, which every indication is that's the case. Um, I, I, to me, the good news is you're going to go into the offseason, you're going to get a new coach, and that coach is going to know where things stand at quarterback. He's going to know whether he's got a guy on the roster or whether he's got to go start over and go get a guy. Um, if you let Noah Kim play out the season and he's okay, not great, not terrible, I think you got a lot of questions going forward. But presumably, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks if Caden Hauser is a Big Ten quarterback. Uh, maybe we'll find out at some point if Sam Levitt's a Big Ten quarterback. But um, I, to me, that's the number one question if you're a new coach coming in. Uh, do I have a quarterback or not? Um, and I, I think this is certainly not why they're doing this, but um, I certainly think a byproduct of this is they're going to find out the answer to that question here the rest of the season. Yeah, and these guys, you know, you want to keep these guys. I mean, who the, you know, who sticks around for, for the next head coach? It's going to, you know, they need, I mean, it's going to depend on who's, who's there and you need the young players to be around. Um, they, 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 they've, they've recruited well the last few years. You have some really good, really good players in there and, and a quarterback specifically, you know, you got two four-star kids and I know rankings, whatever, but you got to find out what you got there. And, you know, Noah, Noah, you know, he waited his turn and everything. Um, but the sample size now shows that, you know, the, it's just, the, it's the interceptions, you know, I mean, you, you live with, you know, some of the mistakes here and there, but, the, the interceptions that you just can't, you can't, it's not sustainable. You can't win games like that. Hey, he's got six interceptions, six touchdowns so far this year. You know, I, that's why I was bringing it up after the Maryland game. You know, I, I know you were mentioned, you know, too soon for that, but like, I don't know. He, it just looked like he didn't have, and he wasn't making the plays and you got two talented youngsters sitting there. Like at what this season's like already just totally off the rails. I don't, I didn't get why I get why you didn't throw him in at Iowa, but we had mentioned, you know, two weeks ago that it seems likely that if things don't go well in Iowa city, you get the bye week, you come back, and then maybe you try the youngster. We'll see if that ends up being the case. You know, Caden Hauser, you know, tape looks good. He's flashed well, you know, in mop-up duty, although Noah Kim did the same thing last year. So I just think you're looking for anything to maybe rejuvenate the team, to 
give the fan base hope for a reason to tune in and starting Keaton Hauser will certainly do that. Not to say that's the only reason they're doing it, but it is time. It's time to see someone else to see if maybe you can string a couple wins together here and make a bowl game somewhat realistic. Uh, Jordan Simmons, you know, related to that, uh, you know, bringing in the talent players, if you can keep guys around, you know, Jordan Simmons enters the transfer portal. Uh, they've only had a few since since Mel retired and that window opened up. I mean, it's the middle of the season, so I guess it's like, where are these guys going to go? Um, but I, I, are you a little bit surprised that you haven't seen more attrition right away after this? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so before the Iowa game, Justin White reserved defensive back and, and starting long snapper Hank Pepper were no longer with the team because, you know, although they're not, still not officially in the portal, I guess, yet. But yeah, they, you know, that was that's the intention. And then uh, Jordan Simmons obviously is the the new addition this week, and understandable, you know, he's been, you know, they've they brought in, he led them in rushing as a true freshman in 2020, and and you know they brought in uh, two transfer running backs each of the last three years. So, I mean, Jordan was pretty much reduced to playing special teams and and pass pro. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, there's still time, but they seem from what Harlan said, you know, on Monday he said he thought. That, you know, any concerns about, you know, guys checking out, he thought would be answered by Iowa. And he thinks that who they've got now is who they're going to have moving forward. And the players seem to indicate that as well. So, you know, if they only, if they only lose three, I mean, you know, that I guess I'd be a little surprised by that um, during the window, but. I, I think there's a more practical reason for it, frankly. Um, I think these guys need tape, honestly, because like, like the, the portal is like people, I don't know. Sometimes it's easy to think like, oh, you hop in the portal, you hop somewhere else. Like, look up some of the stats sometime about the number of dudes who go in the portal and don't come out, um, stay there, or they come out into D2. Um, and I'm not saying that to be the case for any of these guys, but sometimes if you go into the portal, um, you don't end up in a better situation than you were in. Um, so, um, and, and the best way to make sure that doesn't happen is to put together some good game film and um, show... Uh, whoever your shooters are in the portal that you can play um, at a high level. So, um, you know, the, the, the portal opened after four games for Michigan State. If you're a young player, you haven't been on the field much. Um, you might be worried about hopping in that portal and um, not having enough to show on the field and ending up um, uh, at a sub power five level. So um, I, I'm sure there are guys that are here because they really want to be here and everything that coaches are saying. But um, I'd be willing to bet that's probably the case for several of the guys, too. Yeah, and coaches get weary too when they see guys that are jumping in the portal and then jumping in again, and then all of a sudden you're this guy that's just at three schools in three years. I think I think coaches look at that and coaches talk, and they're like, "Yeah, I want a guy that I can count on here," you know? Yeah, and Kyle Kyle's absolutely right about you know needing the game tape. I mean, there are some of these guys. If you're one of these, you know, I don't like naming guys in particular, but if you were you know a recent high level recruit who had all these offers, and maybe you're getting on the field as a as a true freshman or not, I mean, you probably would have opportunities. But a lot of these guys, I, I just hope they're listening to the right people, um, because once you go in the portal, the school is not obligated to honor your scholarship after that semester, and that's that's. Something I hope that everybody is thinking about, and I just, I, you know, I hope that these kids end up, you know, get the best future for them because they didn't sign up for this crap. You know, I mean, this is this is not what they expected, and you get the SD4L pulling the rug out right when they get to Iowa. I mean, that's another, I mean, just a complete mess. Well, I, I don't even really want to get into that because it's another 
later. But uh, it, it's something they need to get figured out before that because that'll matter to to coaching candidates. That's what I'll say about it. Absolutely, they, you need you need the money behind it. So that is that's definitely a bigger picture thing to watch. But the, you know, long story short, I, I hope the kids the some of them are 20 some years old, but I hope they listen to the right people and they make the best decision for them because the opportunities aren't the same for everybody. And some of them, some of them don't have that year. They don't have that transfer, you know, free one-time transfer available to them. So they basically got a, you know, barring a waiver, which the NCAA looks like that's not happening as much anymore. So uh, some of them more or less, they don't really have a choice, but to stick it out uh, if they want, if they're being realistic about their situation. Well, it's pretty obvious that this is a must-win game for Michigan State. I mean, if you think you're going to make a bowl game somehow, losing to Rutgers ain't, is not going to be it with those teams they have left on the schedule. Yeah, I think you mentioned the rain, Matt. I think, you know, Nathan Carter has been solid, I would say, for most of the year, despite the offensive struggles. He's averaging over five yards a carry. I think he needs a he needs one he needs a massive game. Like one of those, what was the game he went for three? Was it Richmond or what game was that when he went for three touchdowns? I think it was Richmond, but yeah, he I know he's not going to, you know, this is a big 10 team. It's not the Richmond Spiders, but they just have to be able to run the ball. And I think if they're going to win this game, especially with the first, a guy making his first career start, uh, they got to help him out here. So I, I know Rutgers, you mentioned has had a decent defense run defense has been particular strong. So uh, it could be a challenge, but if Michigan state wants to win this game, which they have to, uh, I think it's going to be Nathan Carter coming up big. Uh, although Caden Hauser, you know, we'll see, maybe he can surprise, but, you're, you're asking a lot if you want to get a kid to go win on the road in the elements in his first career start. Yeah, and, and Carter's been, I think he's been basically what I expected him to be. You know, an upgrade from what the run game was last year. You know, he's, he shows that explosiveness at times. He's not, you know, again, not Kenneth Walker. But he runs hard. Um, I, I guess the concern would be the workload for him um, and the depth in the backfield. You know, Jalen Berger had missed a couple games. He came back in a limited role against Iowa. Uh, Jaron Mangum still has not played due to injury. Uh, there was no Jordan Simmons on the road at Iowa, obviously. So uh, at one point had um, – so, I mean, you basically – you had Nathan Carter, a limited Jalen Berger, um, Davion Prim, who didn't get a carry, uh, True freshman Jalen Barberin, who who got a carry, and at one point in time when they're trying to, I, I think it was a third down situation. Um, Harold Joyner was a briefly coming on the field. He's, he's back. Like, like he's ah, back. okay, what the hell is going on here? You know, he was you know former running back. He spent two seasons of running last year. He moves to safety, and then he moves to linebacker in a fall camp. And in the span of a couple games, he goes from playing linebacker in a goal line situation to briefly coming on the field at, at, at running back. So even though he didn't, you know, stay the game, but yeah, they, they need to get healthier there. They need to be able to give Carter a little bit of a breather. Um, even though he, he clearly appears to be their, their best back and yeah, the run game will have to be good. I, I thought they, they ran the ball well at Iowa, but you know, you run the ball and, and then you throw a pick. So that obviously is not, it's not complimentary football, a phrase that, uh, most, most Michigan State fans are pretty familiar with. Brandon, you mentioned must wins, and I usually I usually hate that term like in mid October because there's so much. But like you look at the schedule, and like it pretty much is like if you need four more wins, if you're still hanging on to hope for a bowl game, um, you need to get Rutgers, and then Nebraska and Indiana. That's doable. At Minnesota, a little bit tougher, but 
I mean, shoot, that team lost to Northwestern. So I think that's doable. You could convince me of those three. Um, but then your other three are, you know, the big three, Michigan, um, Ohio State, and Penn State. So you lose this weekend, you have to knock off one of those teams to have any shot at a bowl. And that just does not seem doable um, with this team. So, yeah, it is. I hadn't really re- looked at it in that light, but it really is like um, you need this one to have any hope pretty much left. Let's talk about basketball real quick, Kyle. I mean, like I said, we're going to do a real in-depth preview and get into all the players and kind of what to expect from the season. You know, I know Michigan State fans, with the way football has gone, a lot of them have already shifted their focus to basketball. Some of you never leave the basketball corner, which I can appreciate. And I know Kyle can appreciate as well. But, uh, you know, Big Ten Media Days were in Minneapolis this week. Uh, Michigan State held its own media day last week, uh, which Kyle was at. And Tom talked to the media for over an hour. I watched the whole press conference. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different directions here we could go, Kyle. And, you know, I guess I just want to keep it kind of general for now. But my biggest takeaway that I'm getting from Tom, and you guys brought it up in the press conference, you know, kind of commenting how he seemed to have some some swagger, some bravado in the press conference. Seemed like he was standing a little taller. It just it just seems like Tom is like not holding on, holding back about how much he loves this group. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever use the word swagger in describing Tom Izzo, but um, he has it he's, in his own way. His own I guess swagger. so in his old, in his, his in his way, but um, <laughs> he certainly is a lot more confident in this roster, and the way he is talking about this team in mid-October is different than he's talked about the last couple of teams um, because he's got a squad and he knows it. He's got um, he's got veterans. He's got guys who have played together for a long time. Um, my question for him during that media day was when's the last time you had a backcourt this deep and talented, like they've had individual guys like Cassius, but if you look like one through four, one through five in the backcourt, um, he went all the way back to 2005. Um, you know, it's still how long ago it's been since he's liked a group this much. Um, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, Jaden Aikens, Trey Holloman, and Jeremy Fears being those five, um, they really, really, really like that unit. And I think in college basketball, the teams with the best backcourts are the teams that are winning, especially in March. So um, that's a talented group that has experience, um, is deep, they're versatile. Um, pretty much all those guys can handle the ball and, and make things happen. So they feel really good about that. And then the other thing that really stood out to me from that was what he said about Jeremy Fears. Brandon, I know you know, and, and a lot of people probably read it, but if you didn't, um, Tom said, Jeremy Fears is my Mateen Cleaves 20 something years later, which Man, I've never, that, I've never heard yeah. the Cleaves comp because that's like, um, obviously the, the pantheon of time is your players, uh, Mateen is at the top and he wasn't, they love his skill set, but he was talking about leadership, like a guy who steps in day one and it's just a natural born leader and a guy that guys follow. Um, if you've heard Izzo talk a lot in recent years, he feels like that's, it's harder to find those guys than it used to. Um, but they, they feel like they've got a guy in Jeremy fears who, um, is just going to be like a point guard leader, consummate guy, um, at Michigan state. And he's a really good player. Uh, we talked about it, I think during Moneyball, but, um, really athletic guy plays above the rim. A uh, pretty good shooter, but can also lightning quick and get to the hoop. Um, has some athleticism to him. So um, they're really high on Jeremy Fears. Um, it, it's kind of ironic that to me, he's kind of in the spot where they're the deepest. Um, 
but um, he's he's going to get onto the court. He's going to um, he's got four guys ahead of him that have been here longer, but he's going to carve out a role for himself. Um, he's when you're talking about freshmen, you know, um, who are readiest, most ready to play college basketball. Um, he's at the top of the list. I mean, I just love everything about fears, but like just his competitive nature and his willingness to compete is what impresses me more than anything, because like, this is a guy who kept transferring schools so he could be in like better, higher competition. He's played international basketball because he wants higher, better competition. And he just seems like a guy who's ready and built to be a Michigan state point guard. And I think it's interesting that he's making that comparison this year when he got with a freshman, because you bring up that 2005 team. I mean, for those of you who don't remember, that's like Maurice Ager, Shannon Brown, Kelvin Torbert, Chris Hill, and Drew Neitzel was a freshman on that team who ended up or not who ended up being like the stalwart of the program for like the next four years after that. And that's what fears could be. Yeah. And that's I, I think that was kind of the subtext to why he was saying that, because he said, you know, at the beginning of the year, like no one thought Drew Neitzel would be starting in a final four like that was, you know. No one would have guessed that because they had so many guys. But his point is, these seasons can play out in ways that you don't believe. And um, they've got depth. So if things aren't working out, or more likely, if a guy gets hurt somewhere there, um, they feel like they don't have a big drop off to the next guy. So um, they feel good about that. Um, other thing, I'll probably write about this um, coming up, but um, Xavier Booker, I think a lot of people are going to be really curious about him because he's. Um, uh, Jeremy Fears is a McDonald's All-American, but Booker was ranked even higher. Um, he was in the top five at one point, but ended up around 15 in the national rankings. Um, they're kind of setting the expectations for him, which I think we've kind of talked about too on the pod and hinted at. He's going to need some time, um, which people aren't always happy or willing to give a, a top 15 kid, but um, has all the skill you need, all the skill in the world, great size, great length, just needs the strength. Um, so, um, they like him. He could, he's going to be a good basketball player for them. Temper your expectations in year one is basically, um, me paraphrasing what, uh, what Thomas has been saying. Nobody's going to listen to you, Kyle. The outrage will still be there, but I think what's good, at least coming into this year, as opposed to last year, where we thought that, you know, Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper were going to have to play, you know, now there's all three of those guys throwing Monty Sissoko. You know, at least in the front court, Malik Hall's diverse in the front court. So you have guys now, at least, you know, like he doesn't have to be in there playing big. No, he doesn't. Um, I do wonder who they're playing at the four. Cause we asked Booker and Booker's like, I'm a four. Like I'm not, I'm not a center. I'm playing four. And I do wonder like beyond Malik Hall, who's Kohler. Who's Kohler's kind there. of a four. Kohler's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I warned about him physically too. Like I almost wonder if um, Cohen Carr, you know, gets down there. Um, I mean, not really tall. He's six, six, but, um, he's not going to get pushed around for one and he's going to rebound the heck out of the ball. And I, I think he'll hold up well defensively. So that's, I mean, that's something we can talk about more as the season gets closer, mm-hmm. but, um, um, yeah, I just wanted to sneak in that note. I mean, not nothing. I mean, Xavier Booker is going to be a great player, but, and this is, this is typical for big men, right? Um, it just, they usually have a longer growth spurt and he's almost a victim of Jaron Jackson because, they're the same size, um, similar rankings, both from Indiana, um, same position. They're just naturally going to get compared. And you don't want to be compared to Jaron Jackson because so, so few kids come in like he did, ready to play um, and um, have the type of year that he had. So um, if you're looking at him and thinking Jaron Jackson, I don't blame you, but um, 
you know, you don't expect <laughs> Jaron Jackson is an NBA all-star who just played on team USA. So like, yeah, <laughs> let's just, let's, let's check it a little bit. But uh, last thing I just wanted to bring up here. I mean, it, we'll see what happens with this season. It's going to be a long, you know, a long grind as always. Expectations are obviously very high. I, to me, I get like Tom is kind of like feels validated by his decision not to go off, go out and get a bunch of transfers. And he's always bringing it up about the transfer portal, of course, because he's concerned about kids and education. And that's all very valid, I think. But, uh, you know, he talks about all these Big Ten teams that have transfers coming in, doesn't know what to expect from them. He got a lot of heat the last couple of years, Kyle, for not going out and getting transfers. But now he's got this veteran team because all these guys have come back because Tom didn't bail on them. So he's not bailing on them. And it, now they're a top five preseason team in all likelihood. So I don't. I guess it's just a little shout out for, you know, sometimes trust the process. Not every program can do it like Michigan State can. But, uh, you know, it's looking like a pretty good decision right now. Yeah, he he's certainly been gloating about the fact that, like, like he's pretty clear that he thinks if he would have gotten the big man last year that everybody wanted him to, that his roster would not be as good right now because somebody probably would have left if that happened. That big man probably been a, would have been a one-year guy. So you don't have as much experience. You probably, you know, then you kind of start that cycle of having to fill in um, with transfers every year. Um, I agree. Like his approach is why they have a good roster this year. Um, the pessimist in me says that it hasn't really been long enough for me to know that his approach is is really going to work. You know, we're pretty early in this. Um, I think he's got good guys that are willing to do it. Um, I, he's still very much going against the grain in college basketball. And I don't know if it's going to keep working. Um, hope for his sake that it does hope for Michigan State's fans sake that it does. Um, you're still asking guys to kind of go against um, their nature and what's happening. Um, and he'll even say like, like the thing he's been saying all preseason is we have a relationship based program, not a transactional based program. And, and mm-hmm. I heard him say the other day, he said, I don't know if it won't be that way forever, but we're keeping it that way as long as we can. Um, um, I'm very curious how long they're able to keep it that way um, because Same. it's going to be hard, but kudos to them. They've done it so far. And they, that's why they've got a really good roster going in this year. You, you, uh, you want to get Tom going ask about the portal or name image and likeness, which he calls NLI at every turn. And uh, Tom was there. Yeah. He also said October 13th was Halloween. So <laughs> Kyle was about to, Kyle was next up to asking a question at media day. And the question before him was about the portal and Kyle set the microphone down because he, he knew it was going to be, it was going to be a long while. So uh, next time you see uh, Tom, uh, be sure to ask him about uh, the Kansas situation. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. The, the report that came out today about Ontario Morris is bad. Oh, it's bad. My Lord. Um, amazing. But the NCAA has uh, – I'm, nah, I'm not, not, not going to get into it. I just don't know how Kansas keeps getting away with it all is all. You know, that's, that's all I got to say. I mean, they're a flagship program. They have a, a great coach, but it's just a lot of things with them. So, also, I wonder if Dusty May was offended by uh, Tom calling Florida Atlantic Florida International repeatedly in that press conference, Kyle. I don't know. That was nothing. He does that stuff all the time. That was nothing personal. <laughs> Dusty, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't think Dusty cares too much. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I think that's enough for now. Uh, we will obviously – are you going to the birthplace, Matt? Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> this will be uh, my fourth yeah. trip there. Well, so, well, yeah, nothing like Piscataway in October. So That's uh, what they actually, say. That's what they say. I actually like the setup there. They're, the press box is as close to the field as, as we get in the Big Ten. So, um, 
you found something yeah. nice to say about Rutgers. I, I, I have yet, I, I have yet to do so. So kudos to you. Hey, I, I, I I'm a, I'm a Rutgers uh, defender here. Uh, uh, one of the rare ones. Hey, it's Tony Soprano's favorite team. Okay, that's Tony Soprano's favorite team. So let's, yeah, that's, let's not forget that. That's true. Uh, all right. Well, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for listening. Michigan State Rutgers noon kick on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Michigan State needs a win if they're even going to have any Motor City, Little Caesars, Bowl, whatever they call it these days, uh, dreams. So uh, tune in, but Matt will be there covering. Appreciate everyone for listening. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to Dead Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green.